Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Good morning, everyone. I am Jim White, and we're coming to you live from beautiful Carmel, California, on Saturday, October the 15th, 2011. We have a fantastic show for you today. And for our regular uh, listeners, you know we've been doing a whole series, if you will, on the economy both in the United States and globally and infrastructure uh, uh, needs and uh, the needs of uh, Americans uh, creating jobs, uh, all of these things has been a focus uh, over the past weeks, and they're going to continue to be a focus in the weeks to come. Why? Because we need to continue to keep the pressure on our elected officials and our uh, business leaders uh, with one goal in mind, is to create jobs, create jobs, eliminate unemployment, and uh, get this country moving forward. Now, it has, in, in my mind, been, been a long time since Americans has been this depressed uh, about an economy. It, it may not seem that Europe's, and like I said, we're in a global economy, right? So it seemed like Europe's sovereign debt should be an issue for uh, people at home in middle America, right? But it is. It's important. that uh, and, and the growing concerns uh, about the United States debt position uh, should shake the economy, the, the basic economic confidence that we have as consumers and as Americans uh, and, and, and throughout, uh, throughout all the states. But it apparently has. Uh, we have been shaken. And that loss of confidence by discouraging uh, consumption. Now, I'm going to use a few words here, and I really want you to zero in on these words. And what I'm saying has been a loss of confidence by discouraging consumption and an investment. By discouraging consumption and investment. Now, this can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you think is what you get. What you think over and over and over is what you will get. So my message here today is to be careful about what you're thinking. We've got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and and as best we can, and it's not always easy, and I'm not saying uh, the things that we're suggesting is a walk in the park. It is not. When you're having difficulty uh, putting food on the table, uh, it affects all levels of your life, your uh, your spiritual life, your relationship. It affects your health, your physical health, and your mental health. I might add, uh, I was on a TV show yesterday uh, on the local station, uh, uh, KYMB, excuse me, KYMB, uh, Comcast Channel 19, and I was uh, did the last segment with uh, Dr. Tell Franklin, which is the medical director of the Ryan Ranch Medical Group here in Monterey. 
and we were talking about the connection between uh, finances and relationships and how it all has to do with health. So I just want you to be aware what you think is, is, is what you get, okay? Now, the when, when I decided to put a title to show today, I said Fear Economics. And as we go through the show this morning, uh, I want you to sit back and I want you to think about where you are in your life today and think about what you can do in your local community and for yourself to be able to create more uh, revenue. And the only reason we're looking for revenue is to create that quality of life that you choose for you and your family, right? No other reason. That's it. So uh, the mission of the show, as you know, is to inspire and educate and uh, throw out different strategies and to leave the audience and the world uh, for a call of action is to get up and just make something happen in a positive way. Now, causing of the um, uh, economic weakness is by this thinking that discouraging with all the ruse and the negative talk, uh, it's, it, it, it creates fear. Uh, fear is uh, rampant and uh, to all the people that we talk to. So as we go through the show, we get, you know, a couple of segments today, we're going to really drill down on, on, on this subject matter. So the significant drops in consumer confidence in the indexes in Europe and North America already reflect this pervasive dynamics of self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Now, we now have a daily index, and what you measure is what you get, right? We have a daily index for the United States, and this comes from this wonderful organization, the Gallup Economic Conference Index, or Confidence Index, excuse me, if I talk this morning. So we can pinpoint changes in confidence over time. It's important to be able to measure this to get a get a feel as to where we're thinking uh, throughout the United States and around the world. What I found very interesting that the index dropped sharply between the first week of July and the first week of August of, of, of this year. Now, that was the period when the American political leaders uh, worried everybody, everyone, that they would not be able or should, should be unable to raise the federal government's debt ceiling and prevent the United States from defaulting on this August 2nd date, right? You remember that? So as we were measuring the confidence, it was going, going down. So the story played out in the news media every day, okay? On August the 2nd, uh, it, it came and, came and went. With no default, right? But three days later, a Friday, uh, Standard & Poor's uh, lowered the rating on long-term U.S. debt from a AAA to a AA plus. Well, <laughs> I think absurd, uh, but nonetheless, they did this. Now, on the following Monday, the S&P dropped almost 7%. Percent, excuse me. Now, what I want you to get from this information today is to really uh, understand how this relates to you. And once again, with the theme of, of the message today is what you think is what you get. Now, it's not to say that we do not have some real chinks in the armor in regards to our policy and our leadership in the United States. We do. However, as Americans and other uh, free civilizations, it, it's up to you to be involved in every activity. You need to be involved in your relationship. You need to be involved with your spouse and your partner. You need to be involved with your employees and your vendors and your friends and your local politicians in a positive way. Now, in the United States, we've had this um, 
this group of people going around and protesting. And it's okay. So it's what makes the U.S. such a wonderful place to live. We have freedoms, right, to be able to express uh, and, and to let people, uh, our leaders, know of our displeasure. But I'm okay for that as long as it's done in a, in, in a safe, uh, in a nonviolent way. Uh, to be able to uh, allow your voice to be heard, right? Now, so we're talking about, we let up, coming to August the 2nd, uh, came and went, and then the Standards and Poor's did the downgrade of the U.S. Uh, debt from AAA to uh, A+. Plus. Now, in the following Monday, as I said earlier, the S&P dropped about 7%. So it goes to show you what you put out there is what you're going to get, right? Now, apparently, uh, the specter of government deadlocks causing a humiliating, and that's the word I chose to use, humiliating default suddenly made the United States resemble the European countries that really are teetering. teetering. They're right on the line, on the brink, on the brink. Europe's story became America's story. Now, for you that are listening to the show maybe for the first time, uh, you're probably going to need to do some research to kind of get up to speed, but what we're saying here is all the uh, information that was put out into the world uh, creating fear economics, right? Now, changes in uh, public confidence are built upon such narratives, uh, such fear, uh, conversation uh, coming through our news media and other sources. Because the human mind is very receptive to this type of information. We're just human. Our DNA, we are receptive to this type of information. Now, particularly, uh, we are interested in uh, human interest stories. And the different stories, and this is some of the things that we can take. I would like to hear your story, what you're doing to uh, help uh, your family and yourself to become better tomorrow than you did today. And you can do so by calling 619-768-7298. I'd love to hear from you. Now, the story of a possible U.S. default uh, you know, is, is resonant just resonant in precisely this way. It implicates America's sense of pride. When our debt rating went down, it hit at the core of the American sense of pride. It's fragile, it's fragile world dominance. We need to continue to be the leader of the world. And with the action and the leadership that we currently have going on, we are not assuming that leadership position in my mind, okay? We're not. It's fragile. It's fragile. And it's political upheavals as a result of this is absolutely dangerous, dangerous. It is arguably a more captivating story than was the most intense moments of the financial crisis in 2008 about this uh, debt default. That's when even it, it carried more press than when Lehman Brothers failed in 2008, when it, it collapsed, right? Now, the drop in the Gallup Economic Confidence Index was sharper. Now, this is important. was sharper in July 2011 than it was in 2008 when all the wheels came off the economic wagon. It was sharper. Because of all the rhetoric and the lack of leadership that was going on from the White House to both houses and for our elected officials. we got to knock that stuff off, right? Now, although the index has not yet fallen to a lower level than it reached then, okay? Now, most confidence indexes today are based on surveyed questions that asked respondents to assess the economy today or in the near future. 
So that's what we call in the business world the ultimate question. What do you think the economy is going to be? Well, if we look at all all measures, uh, we still are in for some bumpy roads for a couple, uh, two or three years, right? So, a little history here. When George Gallup, the pioneer of survey methods and the creator of the Gallup poll, created the uh, confidence index, I mean, way back, 1938, uh, in the late in the Great Depression, when he asked Americans, do you think business will be better or worse in six months? That's a good question. What do you think today? What do you think? In your backyard, do you think it's going to be better or worse? What do you think? From from now, that was his question that he was asking in 1938, how we started the Gallup poll, right? Now, he interpreted uh, these answers as measuring the public optimism. That was the whole idea behind this survey. Now, the intangible mental attitude, which is recognized as one vital element, and me, it is a huge element, in the week-to-week fluctuation of business activity. Now, that was a mouthful, ladies and gentlemen. But it hardly seems likely that big changes in people's confidence, the kind of confidence that affects their willingness to spend or invest, are rooted in expectations over short, over a short time horizon. It's not short term. It's, it does not. It just erodes that. Now, when when George Gallup uh, uh, wrote almost nine years after the Great Depression began. A sense of ultimate futility, a belief that high unemployment would never end, was widespread. That's when he wrote about that. Widespread. That sentiment probably helped back consumption and investment, and that's that's happening today, because we have U.S. corporations sitting on excessive cash that they are not putting back into the uh, economic cycle because of fear and uncertainty over the leadership in the United States and the White House and in both houses. This is true. This is fact from the lack of confidence in leadership. So once again, if we have fear to, go, uh, to, to, to be the driver of economics by taking these, what, the way you lead, that's what I do. That's what I teach on a daily basis with all of my clients. It's the way you lead. It's your ability to create confidence and trust. You've heard me talk about trust on previous shows, how trust actually drives shareholder value, how we can actually measure trust to stock par, stock price, if you will. So it's absolutely important that we we – be careful how we say things. Now, an investment far more than any opinions about changes in the next six months. So the short term, and that's what we've been doing, and that's the, that's the point I'm attempting to make here. That's what we've been doing, uh, especially uh, for some of our extensions on our highway surface bills extension. We've just been doing it a little bit at a time. American business cannot make decisions by short-term band-aids. We need a long-term solution, right? Now, it definitely is holding back consumption and investment, far more than we we need to be seeing right now. Now, after all of this, consumers, their willingness to spend depends on their general situation. I'm going to repeat this. The willingness to spend depends on the general situation, okay? Not whether business will be a little better in the short term, okay? No. Likewise, uh, businesses' willingness to hire people and expand operations depends on their long-term expectations. Now, that's worth repeating. Prior to uh, leading into that, that's what I was talking about. A lot of these short-term funding 
mechanisms that we put in place. Does it give private sector enough confidence to be able to do long-term planning? Because once you start hiring people, uh, that's a huge responsibility. Huge responsibility. Leaders of all enterprise, they're charged with such an awesome responsibility because you have the lives of families and uh, grandkids and all this. And a lot, of you, a lot of you might think, well, that's kind of hogwash, Jim. Well, I hope you don't think that, but it is. It's true. These leaders have, we, we, we as leaders, we I should say, we have an awesome responsibility. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this about this subject today, right? Now, we had a uh, another consumer uh, sentiment survey for Americans, and that was created by a George Katoon, K-A-T-O-N-A. Now, at the time, it was the University of Michigan, and this was in the early 1950s, and it's known today as the uh, Thompson Reuters University of Michigan Survey of Consumers. Now, has they have concluded and included a remarkable question in their survey about the reasonably long-term future. Very interesting. Five years hence, if you will. Um, and asked very, very uh, serious questions uh, and that uh, fears that keep this five-year uh, uh, future, if you will. So we asked those questions about what people think about five years hence. Okay, now looking ahead, uh, which would you say, and more likely, that in the country as a whole, we'll have a continuous good times during the next five years or so. Don't know. What do you think? Or that we will have periods of widespread unemployment or depression or what? Well, like I said we're we're right on the brink. We're right on that line, can go either way. Make no mistake about it, we are on that line. And for all of the business leaders and the entrepreneurs and uh, the political leaders, we need to step back and really look at what I call the vital things that we need to be considering and being able to focus on those efforts that's going to put 33 million people back to work. That's the number that we need to get back into the employment to start making a real reasonable recovery in, in this economy. So it really is a uh, huge, huge opportunity, and, and at the same time, within that opportunity lies the challenges as well. Now, those answers... Uh, when they did the survey, they asked the survey question, what do you think could be five years? Uh, that question usually is not singled out for attention, but it appears to address directly what we really want to know. We really need to know that. Not just tomorrow, but five years, one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. We need to start doing that type of planning versus this knee-jerk reaction stuff, okay? Now, what deep anxieties, what deep anxieties and fears people have that might inhibit their willingness to spend for a long term? So once again, that's worth repeating in my mind. What deep anxieties and fears, all about fear, right? Fears people have that might inhibit their willingness to spend for a long term? The answers to that question might well help us to forecast the future more accurately. So what do you think? As you're sitting around the dinner table, as you're discussing your family's business, what I call you incorporated, when you're asking the questions, and and, and, and it's kind of hard when you are living paycheck to paycheck with the fear that your job's going to go away the next day and the fear that you could just one paycheck away from being homeless, 
that puts such a burden and such stresses on a relationship that it destroys families. A couple of weeks ago, I did a show on um, uh, uh, domestic violence. And if you recall, uh, law enforcement is seeing uh, more calls, um, and, and they're attributing that to the economic times. And of these calls that they're responding to, they're seeing more violence as a result. You see, so how, this is how it's all connected. If you take a provider's uh, means of providing for his or her family, you're going to put them in a corner. And especially if you already have people that are somewhat unstable, so it, 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 it look connect the dots. This is not such a hard thing in my mind to to get. We've got to create jobs and not allow it to be just rhetoric, but really strong strategy, goals, and execution across all sectors that can put people to work now. Okay now. The answer to that question is, as I said, and I'm, and, and you know, you know, even now, I have an opportunity. I always repeat myself. Why? You say it over and over and over because our attention span, we forget things very, very rapidly, right? It's not to suggest that uh, you can't get it, but it's just human nature, right? Now, these answers uh, plunge into depression territory uh, between. Uh, July and August of 2011. And when I was looking at the word to use when I chose depression, territory, I said, well, that's going to be a very strong word. Well, I think it's an accurate word. So uh, we were plunged into that depression territory during July and August of 2011. And the index of the optimists based on answers to this question is at its lowest level since the Great Recession of the early 1980s. Remember? 13 different recessions that we have. It reached its highest level, and I'll throw some numbers out of the measure, the higher it is, the worse it is, to 135 in, in 2000, remember? And the meltdown of what we call commonly the dot-com bust, if you will. Now, at the, at the very peak of the millennium, stock market, uh, bubble by May 2011 it had fallen to 88 so it's down now by September just four months later it it gone down to you know 48 in that confidence confidence level right now this is a much larger uh, downsizing downswing uh, that was recorded so the higher the better keeps dropping down right that was recorded in overall consumer confidence and all the indexes that were that were out there. The decline occurred over the better part of a decade as we began to see the end of debt-driven overexpansion and accelerated with the latest debt crisis. Okay? Now, the timing and the substance of these consumer survey results suggest that our fundamental outlook over the economy at the level of the average person is closely bound up with stories of excessive borrowing, loss of government and personal responsibility, and a sense that matters are beyond control. That kind of loss of confidence may well last for years. It may well last for years. Now, you may be listening to the show today and say, wow, Jim, you're painting this. Boy, you're really, really in the dark today. No, that's, that's not where I'm coming from. It's what I want to be able to just lay out and to know. What we say, what we think, what we do require it. It is tough times. It is hard. But you've got to be able to uh, take the leadership role at, and do, at your level. And if we got, have everybody doing that, uh, then we're going to start affecting the overall, overall economy, right? So we've got to get in a break here. So when we come back, 
I want to look at um, some some areas. Uh, I'm going to throw out nine, you know, eight or nine different things that just food for thought. I'm not endorsing them all. I'm just taking a collection of different uh, thoughts and based on the economy and what we should be doing about it. So uh, we're going to come back and after the break, and we're going to discuss that. Okay? Be right back. This segment is brought to you by 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit. 12 O'Clock High is one of the undisputed best movie classics of all time. It is also one of the best business learning tools available. The movie rated number one by top executives for its influence on their management style. Now, the inspiration of the 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit, an innovative one-day event and 30-day follow-up where you will quickly see what's working and not working on the front lines of your company and in your own leadership style. Learn more at 12high.com. That's 12high.com. Okay, we're back. Thank you for hanging in there. We're, we're, we're back. This segment, uh, probably spend about 15 minutes on this, see how, see how it goes. But what I want to do is just throw out some different ideas that I've seen floated. Uh, some I agree, disagree, but it's just food for thought, right? That's what we're doing here. And see what you think about it. Now, I start off. As I was thinking about uh, starting this uh, uh, segment, what should we call it? I said, "Well, the second Great Depression." I don't, I don't know, but maybe. So, it's, it's, it's stay with that. Now we're going to look at eight, and I, I and, and they're drastic uh, policy measures uh, necessary to prevent global, or maybe necessary to prevent. A global economic collapse. Now, like I said, they, uh, you know, it's very interesting. So I, I'm, I'm doing it. I want to know what you think. And you can always e- email me at jim at jlwhiteinternational.com and uh, let us know what you think. Or once again, you can uh, participate uh, anytime by dialing 619-768-7298. Okay? Now, let's take a look at these eight uh, drastic policy measures necessary, uh, and, and and that's a necessary question mark to prevent global economic collapse. Now, I start off uh, when I was looking at these. I would say none of them are going to be very very popular. Okay, but it's, it's, it's see how they resonate. Okay, now the latest economic data, as we were talking in our first segment, suggests that recession. Uh, is returning uh, to most advanced uh, economies, okay? With financial markets now reaching levels of stress unseen since the collapse of the Lehman Brothers in 2008. Yeah, we have we have a lot of stresses right now, okay? The risk of an economic and financial crisis even worse than the previous one uh, could be on the horizon if we're not very, very careful. Now involving not just the private sector, now this is important here, not just the private sector, but also uh, near insolvent governments. We have a lot of governments around the world are on the brink as well of insolvency now. And they are significant. So what can be done uh, to minimize uh, the fallout of another economic downturn, contradiction, contraction, uh, to prevent this deeper potential depression or financial meltdown. Now, first, and I'm not saying I'm endorsing all this. I'm just throwing about food for thought, right? And I will uh, will continue to bring it together. First, we must accept that austerity measures are necessary. I agree with that. To avoid a uh, physical total wheels coming off the wagon or a train wreck. Now, 
these are necessary. They have recessionary effects on output. Okay, so if countries uh, in the eurozone, uh, such as Greece or Portugal, are forced to undertake this fiscal austerity, countries able to provide short-term stimulus should do so and postpone their own austerity efforts. Big. I know I'm going to get a lot of comments on this. Okay, These countries include the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, the core of the Eurozone, and even Japan. Now, infrastructure banks that uh, remember President Obama and his uh, Jobs Act is calling on a national infrastructure bank. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I understand where he's coming from. But I think we have 33 or so currently in place in the United States. Just get those more active, right? Just don't create another bureaucracy. Uh, so the infrastructure banks that finance uh, these needed uh, public infrastructure should be created as well. Like I said, we need to have these infrastructure banks, but I just wanted to be careful. Just don't create another level of bureaucracy where we can't get anything done and to be able to allow money to flow to where it needs to go. Now, the second thing that should be considered, while monetary policy has limited impact uh, when the problems are excessive debt, right, and insolvency rather than liquidity, uh, the credit easing, we need to have better credit easing rather than just quantitative easing at times, can be also helpful. Okay. Now, the European Central Bank should reserve, re, now I agree with this, should reverse its mistaken decisions to hike interest rates. Not the time to do it. Okay. Should absolutely make that decision today. More monetary and credit easing is also required in the United States Federal Reserve. We've got to ease up a little bit. The Bank of Japan and the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank as well. Inflation will soon be the last problem that the central banks will fear. Inflation will be the last thing they ever fear. As renewed um, Slacks in goods and labor and real estate and commodity markets feeds disinflationary pressures. If we can lighten up, it's a fine balance here, right? Now, the third, the third thing is to restore credit growth. Now, that's that's killing us in the United States, uh, the credit growth. But as lenders, we've got to be uh, very king on risk analysis, and uh, we certainly, as I've stated on previous shows, uh, have a mutual responsibility as it relates to the residential meltdown in the United States because we had lenders lending to people that shouldn't be borrowing the money and on and on and on. So we've got uh, to be really, really careful about that, okay? Now, the Eurozone banks and the banking systems that are undercapitalized should be strengthened with public financing in a European Union-wide program. So we've got to get more capital into these banks to avoid an additional credit crunch as banks deleverage, right? Banks should be given some short-term forbearance on capital and liquidity requirements. Now, that's dangerous. And like I said, not everything I'm going to be letting out here that I'm endorsing, I'm just throwing out some ideas. See what you think about these things, right? Now, also, uh, since the U.S. and the EU financial system remain unlikely to provide credit to small and medium-sized enterprises and businesses, direct government provisions of credit to solve but illiquid uh, SMEs, you know, are essential. However, we've got to be careful. We've got a situation going on here in the United States and um, uh, with some green um, uh, business actually in the San Francisco Bay Area, 
is going to leave the company name out. Uh, but we've got to be careful how we fund these things as well. We've got to make sure that we're funding uh, solid opportunities. Now, the fourth thing uh, that we can consider here, and once again, food for thought, large-scale liquidity provisions for solvent governments is necessary to avoid a spike in its spread of uh, and loss of markets across the that would turn liquidity into insolvency. So we've got to be careful with that. Even with policy changes, it takes time for governments to restore their credibility. It's all about credibility. It's all about trust. Right? Now, until then, uh, markets will uh, keep pressure on the... Uh, Sovereign spreads, uh, making a self-fulfilling crisis likely. Right? You see how it's got, you see how this wheel's all coming together now. Today, uh, Spain and Italy, for example, are at risk of losing uh, huge market access. Now, official resources needed needs to be tripled to a larger. Uh, European Financial Stability Facility. Uh, the euro bonds are the massive ECB actions, if you will, to avoid a disastrous run on the sovereign banks. So we got to make sure. So there's some huge, huge issues that the normal uh, citizen uh, are not in tune to. I'm not saying that you've got to understand all of it, but what I'm saying is that you need to be aware and educate yourself. We need to become more educated and more involved in all of our political systems and understanding how the economics work, right? Now, the fifth thing that uh, we should consider, uh, or think about, I should say, is the debt burdens that cannot be uh, eased by growth, okay? Our savings or inflation must be rendered sustainable through orderly debt restructuring. we got to be smart about our debt restructuring, debt reduction, and conversion of debt into equity. We need to look at that, conversion of debt into equity where possible. This needs to be carried out for uh, insolvent governments, uh, households even, You've heard me float the idea that far as the residential and still our lending institutions, uh, foreclosing one at a time, it's bite the bullet, it's rewrite everything, it's start over, write it off, move on. And that way we can start getting the uh, the inventory uh, stable and, and bite the bullet that we all screwed up. And and, and, and have a way, uh, and everybody's got to participate in, the government, uh, the tax code, uh, in order to get this thing and just get all this inventory uh, squared away back to a market that is realistic and us to be able to move on so we can start building again, right? Uh, what we're doing is just killing us, okay? It's, it's, it's just killing us. So we've got to be uh, make sure that we uh, convert all of the debt into equity. Now, the sixth thing that I want you to throw out just for consideration, even if Greece and other uh, Eurozone countries uh, are given significant debt relief, economic growth will not resume, will not resume until competitiveness is restored. Got to be competitive, right? And without a rapid uh, return of growth, we've got to have controlled growth, if you will. If you're not, we're going to have more defaults and and more social turmoil. We haven't seen anything yet, unless you know we continue to go down this rat hole, if you will, of 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 of, of uh, loss of confidence. Uh, you know, what we see around the world and all of the wars that we're fighting and the terrorists in all the different countries, 
you know, we look at how people, if they are oppressed, they're going to take it just for so long. Then they're going to rebel. Once again, that's what's happening with our people out on the streets as we speak today, a protest in some of the asinine decisions that's been made by some of the U.S. banks. And some of them is absolutely amazing. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Bank of America with this stupid idea of how they're doing this excess charges on the debit cards and et cetera. So come on. We 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 got to get real with, with that stuff now. Now there are three options for restoring competitiveness within the uh, eurozone, and and in my mind, okay, food for thought again, okay. I'm not speaking for you. I'm just speaking, throwing out throwing out stuff. Do they say on the south to chew on? Right, throwing out stuff. All requiring a real depreciation. And none of which is uh, is very viable, but it's, it's take a look at it now. A sharp weakening of the euro towards parity with the U.S. dollar, okay, which is unlikely, okay, as the United States is weak too. So we're weak. So think about that. Now, a rapid reduction in unit labor cost uh, via acceleration of structural reform and productivity growth relative to wage growth. So our unions, we need to be careful because I know there's things going on in uh, the industry. There's a lot of uh, uh, small employers. Uh, there's a lot of unions that's taking a lot of hits in their, uh, their uh, pension plans, and it's killing small business because the unions now, because you are a signatory to this understanding, come back and say, oh, write me a check because we screwed up, right? So I know I'm going to get a lot of calls on that as well. So we, we need to, we need to be, a, uh, be a little careful there from our, of our union leaders as well, okay? Now, it is also unlikely, uh, as that process took 15 years to restore competitiveness back to Germany, right? So if you go back in history and look at Germany's evolution, right? Now, another consideration is a five-year cumulative 30% deflation in prices and wages. Whoa, boy, I want to get a lot of feedback on this, okay? Now, in Greece, for example, uh, which would mean five years of deepening and socially unacceptable de uh, depressions, even if feasible, this amount of deflation would exaggerate uh, the insolvency, given a 30% increase in the real value of debt. Okay. Now, as I said, I'm throwing these things out for just food for thought. Okay, because these these options cannot work at all times. So it 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 it's really interesting. But being able to throw things out and to uh, debate them is what we should be able to do. Now, the seventh thing, the reason for advanced economies, high unemployment, and anemic growth are structural. They are structural, structural in nature, uh, including the rise of competitive emerging markets, right? Now, the appropriate response to such massive changes is, is not protectionism. It's not. Uh, instead, uh, the advanced economies need a medium-term plan to restore uh, competitiveness and jobs via a massive new investment strategy, right? Infrastructure. Look at all the investments. Look at putting the money where it's going to really build a foundation and, and, and put people back to work. So it has, a, has an opportunity in investments, okay? Not... Uh, the funny mathematics, right? So we got to we got to look at that. And another thing uh, that we really need to take a serious look at across the board is high quality education, uh, job training, uh, human capital improvements. What we do in all of our programs, my uh, Circle of Success one one year leadership and development process, my Twelve O'clock High. 
my What's My Purpose program. All of this is to help people to really come to grips as to who they are, make sure they're aligned to that particular vocation that supports their DNA and their personality, and to be able to develop the skills that's necessary to add value to those talents. And if we can do that, and if you can visualize on a wheel five areas of life that we're always trying to balance, our financial life, right? Our relationship life, our spiritual life, our physical health, and our mental health. Those are the things that's got to all be in balance. But if one comes out, it's going to stress the other. It's important to get this and to make sure that you are looking deep within to make sure, because it starts with you, every individual. As corny as this may sound, it does start, and it is one person at a time. It is, starting with you. Now, eight a thing that we should consider, and once again, these are food for thought. How <laughs> many times have I said that, right? Uh, the emerging market economics have more policy tools left than advanced economics do. And they should ease monetary and physical policy. The International Monetary Fund, for example, and the World Bank can serve as leaders of the last resort and the last resort to emerging markets at risk of losing market access. Now, conditional uh, on appropriate policy reforms, we should look at things to know in order for one thing in mind. How do we put people back to work? How do we reduce the debt? So those are the things I said, find balance that I know that we're all seeking. And once again, it's not my intent to oversimplify the problem, but also know 40 years in business that simple is is better. (laughs) It's don't get uh, too complex, but it's don't underestimate the problem either. And another thing that jumps out in my mind as I'm saying this, I say this all the time in my speaking and my training and my coaching and consulting uh, side with my hat on, is uh, it's very difficult to solve a problem that was with the same people that created it. Now, I want you to think about it. Very difficult. Not saying impossible. But if you have a group of people that created a problem, it's very hard for them to solve that problem. So I want you to want you to think about that. Now, countries like China that rely excessively on net exports for growth should accelerate reforms in that regard. And they also should be very careful on how they're playing in the markets as well to include more rapid currency appreciation is some thoughts that I have in that regard in order to boost uh, domestic demand and and consumption there. So the risks ahead are not just of a mild double-dip recession, but of a severe contraction, if you will, that could turn into this uh, Great Depression, too. It could. And don't Please do not misunderstand my words. What I'm doing here, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an optimist. I think our greatest days are ahead of us, as, as an economy, as the United States. I think our greatest days are ahead of us as a world leader. I think our greatest days are ahead of us, uh, working with, uh, becoming partners, global partners, versus having to use. Um, uh, Violence all the time to solve a problem. However, a good way to keep a thief out of your house is to keep it locked, right? So that that keeps an honest person out, right? So we've got to have a strong defense in order to deter. We need a strong defense. So we need to be aware of that, and that is very expensive. Now, there's no question. No question whatsoever that if we have wrong-headed, bull-headed policies during the first Great Depression, which led to uh, a trade and currency war, dead after coming out of the Great Depression, 
go back and check the history. Now, also disorderly debt defaults, deflation, rising income and wealthy inequality, poverty, uh, desperation, and social and political instability that will eventually lead. These all will lead to a rise of uh, to a rise uh, to World War II. They all led to that in World War II. All of these things, right? The best way to avoid the risk of repeating uh, such disasters is a bold and aggressive global policy with action now, right? So, once again, my intent today is just throw out a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> which we've done. And I know a lot of it was a lot of it was very cerebral as well, but I want you to think about these things. I want you to think that you can, you can make a difference. Once again, a lot of people, well, that's kind of corny, Jim. Nah, I believe what you want, but you can make a difference. So, food for thought. Um, first segment, we talked about the uh, fear economics. And then this last segment, I just uh, run down eight uh, things that are hard to do. But once again, food for thought. That's what we're here to do. If you're free to think for yourself, you you do matter. And knowing the way you think, and once again, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. If you're always looking at the glass as half empty, it's always going to be half empty. So it does start with those small steps. And once again, I want to... Um, uh, share uh, my thanks to uh, uh, KYMB, Comcast Channel 19, uh, for the great work that they're doing locally on the Monterey Peninsula. I want to thank uh, um, Dr. Tell Franklin uh, for his approach of integrating his uh, Eastern and, 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 and Western medicine combined as holistic healing because we we as a body, and all of this has to go, uh, Dr. Franklin's work comes into this mental and physical health area, right? So that's the five on the circle, right, that we got to have. So we need everybody to make to make a difference. And we also need to have programming that is not biased. Uh, we need to have uh, show creators that are not – not afraid to speak the truth or put it out there, but while doing and doing it in a respectful and a nonviolent way, we need to challenge ourselves to be better. Uh, how do you become a better me? Not just rhetoric, but how do we do it? How do we become better leaders for our family and our partners and our spouses and our children and our grandchildren? How do we? do these things. We do it by uh, getting involved. If you find that you're missing a skill to help you uh, to enhance your talents, to help you move towards living on purpose, then bite the bullet. Go get the training. Get the skills. Reach out to your employer. And for those employers, when you are having to make headcount, because we know we all know easiest way to cut costs is through headcount. But we got to keep in mind when we're doing this, uh, we're affecting people's lives. So, so we want to make sure that we uh, can offer assistance to these people that are being displaced. So, you heard it. We had about 90 seconds left for the show. Um, we have some great guests. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to be drilling down on Homeland Security. We're going to be taking a look at uh, uh, drug uh, issues across the border. Uh, we've got a lot of lot of great great guests uh, coming up on the coming show. So, once again, um, this is uh, uh, Jim White, and we'll be coming to you live from Carmel, California, on October the fifteenth. Until next week, do we meet again? 
make it a great day and a great week, and we will see you soon. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.